you know what, Jen? I don't think I've ever looked better in my life. I think I'm I'm at the peak of my physical prowess. I think you are. At the moment. And yeah. I would love to share that with people. I'd love people to be able to see me in the flesh. Just it's to... selfish to keep this. <laughs> it is. This amount of radiance needs to be shared. So I thought what I would do is invite people along to see me in real life. To be in the same room at the Museum of Comedy. At the Museum of Comedy, because comedy is what I do <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and you belong in a museum. No, oh, no. No, no, no. It was How rude. My self-esteem had climbed and now it's back down on the floor. But no, I um, love the Museum of Comedy and I'm going to go there and I'm going to take my raw magnetism with me uh, on Wednesday the 24th of April. Can I come too? You can. Just try not to sort of detract from my glow, you know. Okay. Uh, we are going to have the magnificent Jenny Ryan, a magnificent guest, Ooh. TBA. Wednesday the 24th of April, put it in your diaries, bring your sunglasses because I am shining. Yeah, get your tickets now. The link is in our social media or from the music. Museum of Comedy website. Oh, please do come. Jen's all right as well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's your name? Jenny Ryan. Correct. What's my name? Lucy Porter. Correct. What are we doing? We're making a podcast all about quizzing. Correct. What's it called? Fingers on buzzers. Correct. Hello and welcome to another episode of... Fingers on buzzers. Oh, it's a slightly sort of exaggerating the nasal quality yeah. of your voice today. Yeah. Poor Jen's not very well. I thought I'd um, just make it seem a bit better when I spoke in my normal voice. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you sound all right, but our listeners will be very sympathetic. It I'm is sure. the season. It is. They're probably you're struggling with your own sniffles at home, I bet, aren't you, sweethearts? But wrap yourselves up in a little blanket and stick with us because we've got a lovely episode for you today because we are speaking to a champion. Uh, not any champion, the Times Crossword Champion 2023. <gasps> it's Matthew Marcus. So we're going to be talking to Matthew about his victory and also he's been on Jeopardy. He's yes. a four-time Jeopardy winner, which I'm very excited about talking to him on that subject. Shall we talk a little bit before we start about Christmas quizzing and how to do your Christmas quizzes? Because obviously our Fingers on Buzzers book, currently mm-hmm. available, uh, is all about creating <laughs> your own Christmas quiz. And you have got a little quiz for me, I believe. Yes, and this is one of those examples of making up a quiz off the off something you've seen at random Mm -hmm. and this took up several hours with my family last weekend it was a lot of fun and all we've done is 
taken a, a page from a pop record book mm-hmm. that's popped up at random on a social media page. Mm-hmm. And it just was very interesting. We made up a pop quiz. Mm-hmm. The best-selling UK artists from 1970 to 1975. So this is done on mm. single sales and success. So a number one record is worth 30 points. Number two is worth 29 points, all the way down to a number 30 record, one point. Gosh. So obviously the better you've done and the more records you've had in the charts, the bigger your score. Great. These are the top 33 So artists. you could have had like one massive selling number one, but you only get the points for that number one. So exactly. it's it's consistency of yeah. career as well, isn't it, really? Yeah. I can tell you that the lowest number of different records in this list, there are a couple who had four hits, but obviously mega, mega hits mm. and a lot of sort of weeks in the chart and big success. Yeah. But the top ones were sort of, you know, in the... In the high, mid to high teens. Cool, blimey. Yeah. Between 70 and 75. So this is when uh, I'm making my entrance into the world, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. So I probably would only have vague memories. 1973, I was born. Now, I think there's going to be, you know, we're sort of era of disco. There's going to be some sort of dancey type acts in there. It's a, it's a little bit early for disco. I'll, I'll give you that Oh, clue. it is, isn't it? Yeah, Just a little bit. The, the, the roots of disco are there, so... Mm. Soul is very much a part of the list. Yeah, okay. Um, and then maybe you're sort of, is it glam? Is glam around this at this is point? The, this is glam times. Glamour right. go-go. Glamour go-go. So I'm going to go for, right, I'm going to just name some glam. Please do. Acts. I'm going I'm to get Slade out there. Slade are number one yes. on the list. In fact, this came from a Slade fan group. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Brilliant. basically, of course, of course, they're number one. So oh, they had lovely um, 16 holder. records. And according to the scoring system, they had 2,402 points. So they are massive winners on this chart, 70 to 75. Good for them. Yes. Um, so other glam, Mud. Mud are number eight. Yeah, very good. Good for Mud. Tiger Feet. I'm out That's after an absolute that. Banger. Uh, no, I probably do. I do know more. Don't know what was their Christmas single. Lonely this Christmas. Lonely this Christmas. There you go. Cat crept in. Got yes, yes. They yes. liked animals, didn't they? <laughs> Keen the the Attenboroughs, the Richard At- <laughs> David Attenboroughs. I can't even get my Attenboroughs straight. <laughs> the Richard, the, the Richard, Richard Attenboroughs. Attenboroughs. <laughs> of the pop world. Gandhi. That was one of those. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so we've got the sweet. Sweet. Or sweet. It's just sweet, is it? I, I believe it is just sweet, although they, they are sometimes credited as the sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're number five on the chart. You're doing very well. Okay, right. Uh, more glam? Shall I get there's, more glam There's out? some more glam in there, for sure. I mean, T-Rex. T-Rex are number three. Okay. 15 hits during that time period. Now, are we in the era of Shawadu Wadi yet? We are not. No, Shawadi Wadi. No, no, oh. Shawadi Wadi are not involved at this time. <laughs> Can I just say Shawadi Wadi? Shawadi Wadi. I think they, was it Opportunity Knocks or one of those that they so won? later 70s. In like the 73 or something like that. So they, mm. they, they didn't really have time to have the, the breadth yes. of hits that okay. a lot of these did. There are some huge names on this list. Oh. Huge Gosh. names. Now my mind's going blank completely. <laughs> I've got after I peaked at Slade. I got number one, so straight in at number one, one as well. Yeah. Um, what are the glam bands were there? Give me some clues. Um, well, there's 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 one which doesn't get much airplay anymore. Oh yes, okay, yes, the glitter band or yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
number four, in fact, on okay. this chart. Um, there are some, an originator of glam rock rather than a copycat. Boat. Yes, definitely original. At number six on the chart. Mm-hmm. What else have we got? There's soul and there is pop and rock very They're much soul-wise. in. soul-wise. This is yeah. interesting. Because are we talking sort of Motown legacy kind of your... I don't know, then who would it be? Like your oh, Smokey Robinson? No, Smokey. Temptations or... There's a, there are a couple of vocal groups in Earth, that style. Earth, Fire? No, it's a bit, t- bit early for them. Commodores? No, again, again it's just early. a touch too early. Okay, I need to cast my mind back to... I mean, I'd love it if it was Gladys Knight in the Pips, but I'm guessing it's not. No, but that is a very good answer. Mm. That's, sort of the, that's sort of the thing. British soul or American? It is American These soul. are American. Uh, clues, clues, clues. Um, well, there's, there's one act has technically two separate entries. So combined, possibly, are a winner. If Michael they Jackson were. and the Jackson 5? The Jackson 5 is there, but quite low down the list. Okay. Um, before this Diana be- Ross and Diana Ross and the Supremes. Yes. So Diana Ross has 12 hits and the Supremes eight. Yeah. So I reckon if you were just looking at Diana and including the Supremes, she, she kicked everyone's bum. I wonder if some of those bum. are post, you know, mm. the, I like that era of the Supremes after mm. Diana left. Floyd Joy, yeah. up the ladder to the roof. There was some very good. Automatically Sunshine. If you don't know that one, uh, listeners, give yourselves a treat. That's the post-Diana Ross uh, Supremes era. Lovely. Very good. Anyway, this is not helping. I'm just <laughs> I'm fl- flannelling and trying to play for time because I can't think of any others. There's some heartthrobs as well. Some heart, proper heartthrobs. Like You'd have a post Cassidy, on the um, David Cassidy. David Cassidy, yeah, he's number 18. The Osmonds, Donny the Osmonds. Donny oh. Osmond and the Osmonds are separate entries. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, very good. Uh, Jimmy Osmond, did he? And he only had really long hair. Love him no, from Liverpool, didn't no. he? Um, you've done very well with the top ten, but you've not named number two yet. Who? Um, he wasn't around for much longer after 1975. Oh, but uh, was, Elvis. Yeah, of course. Oh. Nineteen records during that time. Yeah. Um, then number nine. It's the the highest entry on the chart for a band which includes a woman not many women on this chart no is the woman a vocalist she's a vocalist is she the lead vocalist is she named in the name of the no she's not um what genre are we looking at very much pop oh um Okay, so 70s early 70s pop there's a woman uh, Antipodean so she's oh is it judith durham from the seekers searches the new seekers the new seekers yes <laughs> i always get my seekers and my searches mixed yes, up you can me see too. why but uh, yeah oh i love judith durham oh she's amazing yeah okay uh and number 10 um is um an irish singer songwriter bondy donegan this was no this He's is not very much is just, his no. His era of massive success. I'm not sure there was there was a lot um, out width. Oh my god. Seventy gosh. to seventy five. Is it oh uh, he was born in Waterford. Donovan. Uh no, and moved to London as a as a young man and then grew up in Swindon, I think. Lucky him. Yep. Kind oh, of the people are screaming this at folk, their devices. Folky singer songwriter. Yeah, this is why I'm all around. I, I know you are all around it. You can yeah, see them. You can even I really see them in can. your mind's eye. Give me the first initial. You've got it. G. 
And I didn't. You didn't. <laughs> that surprised me. That did surprise me. Gr- mm. Is it two words? Yes. Glen Graham. Graham Irish. It's not Graham. So he shares his first name with the surname of a Victorian Edwardian playwright who wrote in combination with a composer. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Oh, I am so sorry to our listeners for the amount of time it took me to take that. You've probably all gone off and made a cup of tea now. You've got, well, a Lemsip because you're probably all sniffling like Yes, I mean, that's probably probably for the best. you're enjoying your max strength cold flu. You know what, we can come back to this later, I think. I'm going to let you percolate. Yes, let's have And if some more answers come up, we'll we'll come back to it. (laughs) We'll have our chat to Matthew and then we'll come back and I'll swoop up the rest. That'll be fine. So uh, let's have a chat to Matthew about crosswords and that. It's an honour to speak to you because I am a cryptic crossword fan, but I'm in awe. I'm in absolute awe of you. So talk us through your route to becoming the crossword champion. All right. Well, it was a, a very long and arduous uh, route that I took. Um, I've been doing crosswords since I was about eight. I think I used to go to visit my grandfather at uh, the weekends uh, when I was quite young, and he would totally show off by doing the Times crossword in front of me. And I say, I, I don't know what on earth any of this means. And he'd say, Oh, yes, well, yes, this is the explanation. And I, I, I eventually started to sink sink in. And by the time I was about fourteen, I was showing off to my grandfather and uncle. They were like what the heck is a yatagan? I'm like, ah, oh, well, of course, that is a Turkish scimitar because I've read a lot of Conan the Barbarian books or whatever. I was I was able to start impressing them. And wow. yeah, it's the kind of thing that I just kept up in general. I never thought of it as something that was... I, I did go to one Times Crossword Championship in the 90s when I was about 17, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to be hot stuff. And uh, obviously I turned up and I, I didn't do too badly. I was sort of somewhere in the bottom half, but, you know, somewhere in the 50 to 70th percentile. I got a lot wrong and I was in awe of all the people there. And I, I kind of did the crosswords at university sort of occasionally. Yeah, at some point on Facebook about... 10 years ago, maybe maybe a bit more. Gosh, time does fly these days. A chap called Dave Tilly, who is a, a figure in the uh, both the crosswording and the quizzing scenes, spotted me on a group and said, oh, you're quite good. Uh, you should you should come to some crossword meetups. He basically got me into crossword and quiz. And then I ended up, you know, meeting other crossworders, uh, realising there was a competitive scene, realising I was actually quite good. So the first Times Crossword of this century I went to, the first Times Crossword Championship was about 10 years ago. And I, I did quite well, but I wasn't sort of troubling the top 10 for a little while. For the past five or so cryptic crossword championships, I've been considered to be quite good and people would, were not surprised to see me in the top 10, but I don't know if anyone expected me to win. There's a guy called Mark Goodliffe. He's the greatest crossword solver of our times. The trophy that I now have has five names on it, uh, about 20 lines on it, five names and you know all but four of those lines are him. He's won it like a dozen times. So the smart money is always on Mark Goodliffe to win, but occasionally he but does he make mistakes. he can make mistakes, exactly. And that was because we, we have heard on this podcast a little teaser about the drama of this year's final so obviously mm. we would love to hear it from you because I mean it really was right till the last minute it was all to play for wasn't it yeah I've mastered the art of not making it look easy I think Mark Goodliffe as you say does make mistakes he didn't make mistakes for a very long time and then in the last three times he's competed he's slightly off the boil now he's made two mistakes in the last three competitions 
And that is enough in these competitions to kind of knock you out so you don't even get to the final. To get to the final, I needed him to make a mistake. And then in the final, I didn't, I wasn't the fastest to solve it. I needed there's another guy who looks like he's going to be good. He mm. finished in 15 minutes. I was sitting there making it look hard. I was tearing my hair out. I was definitely putting on a show for the audience unwittingly. Uh, so he held up his paper. It took me five more minutes to uh, wrestle with this final clue that for some reason was was I was panicking over and eventually I held it up. But then, so I would have been five minutes slower than the other guy and thinking, well, if he's made no mistakes, then I am completely toast. I didn't do very well at all. So there was the longest 10 minutes in sort of crossworking history where I was sitting there going, oh, God, I'm going to come second. Ah, sitting there. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, they said time and the other guy handed in his paper and Stebble turned to the other person who was in the final and said, I, I definitely made one mistake. I was like, yes, uh-huh. there's a chance. There is a chance. And lo and behold, he'd spelled Ulan Bator wrong. So, oh, yeah. Ulan Bator. <laughs> U-L-A-N-B-A-T-O-R. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh, it's a tricky wrong. one because there are multiple different spellings of it. I think uh, mm. uh, modern quizzing practice dictates we should spell it with lots of a's like u-l-a-n-b-a-t-a-a-r but uh yeah it used to be ulambator with an o and you put ulambator or you got it quite understandably wrong that was enough to clinch me the win so better lucky than good well do you know what and i mean you have been it's not like you haven't earned it it's not like you just showed up this year and went i can't have this you know you, you put the yeah. hard yards in so i don't think anyone could begrudge it second the time before last and fifth last time so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm a regular botherer of the top spot but uh yeah I, I need a little bit of luck still to get there age might be on my side some of the people who i consider to be much better than me are about five, ten years older than me. So who knows? There might be a small window in which... Uh, well, I'm fascinated be... by it as a sport. Is there a retirement age? Because I would think it would be a young man's game, but it does not... So, like, you know, you went along when you were 17, you said, and didn't do that brilliantly. But what makes a great crossword? Is it experience, knowledge, quick thinking, uh, memory? Definitely a combination. I mean, it's very interesting that you talk about young man's game because I've been to the American crossword championships as well. And I would say that definitely is a young man's game. Uh, they solve these things so fast and it's less cryptic. So it's a different kind of game. You know, there's there's one puzzle out of the seven that they do there that is quite cryptic and that one I'm I'm significantly higher up in the in the ranking tables. But the other ones, it's like it's a simple New York Times crossword, which basically is a concise crossword as we know it. Mm. There's some slightly wacky definitions, but it's really just straightforward. You see a clue, enter the answer. And the young people are doing that in like a hundred seconds. And it takes me about three minutes to do these, these these 50 or 60 clues. It's it's not quite so easy. So, yeah, they have age categories in the American tournament, which they don't have in Britain at all. I mean, it wouldn't be much point because everyone's about the same age. Everyone's <laughs> in their 40s and 50s with about 10 exceptions probably this time around. Another uh, that's the big There are a few and there are more in the American game. So it's an interesting topic of inquiry, I think, to look at why there aren't enough women in the British game. There is... A lovely woman called Helen Noom, who is the only female winner of the Times Crossword Championship. She didn't come this year because her husband passed away recently and she was like, I don't want to come without Sid. Yeah, I used to go on crossword Zoom calls with Sid every week and yeah, he is much missed. But yeah, Helen is is up there yep. with any of the other solvers. She is a brilliant, brilliant crossword solver and women certainly can achieve the top of this game. I'm sort of interested, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to show my hand here, that I currently 
um i love cryptic crosswords i love them and i do so i do the times and i do the telegraph and the telegraph toughy yeah. i mean my times are really woeful but what do you think i could do what what's the secret to speeding up i suppose is there is there a secret is there any techniques is it just practice i mean just doing them forever and ever and ever is probably the number one thing to do, sadly. <laughs> There's no quick uh, magic pill that will make you good at crosswords overnight. You should write no, a book uh, saying, I can help you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember once, actually, I went to a meetup. It was probably a magpie meetup because Mark Goodliffe was there. He runs a cryptic magazine called The Magpie, which is brilliant. Everyone should subscribe to that if they want really, really hard puzzles. Anyway, I went there and I I, I asked Mark the same thing. I was like, you're so good at crosswords. You know, I'm never going to be as good as you. I remember saying in his presence, you know, I kind of just solve them in order. I go across, 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 across. And he's like, what? That's insane. No, you can't do that. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, once you have some of the letters, the clear becomes a lot easier. Oh, my God. So, so you would just get, do you do it grid? Do you do list? Do you, well, like if you're doing, do you ever do it electronically or do you always print out? I do it mostly, do it? mostly electronically now. Yeah, yeah. Which is possibly not the best plan for uh, the competition because that's all on paper. And there are definitely people who say, oh, well, for a month before the championship, I I get offline and do it all on paper so that my penmanship skills are uh, are, are back up to snuff. So you look at a clue, you get one you know, and then build out from there. Is that the way that it works? Yeah, you kind of have to use the letters. I mean, it becomes so much easier. Here's something that's really interesting. So the two times that Mark Goodliffe has misstepped in the last three competitions, he's talked about it afterwards uh, to everyone. And basically, I can see that he's got this whole calculation going on his head. He's like, well, that's good enough. That uh, fits the definition part. And it crosses with two of the letters. That's definitely going to be right. I will move on. And it hasn't been right. He put in rivalry instead of revelry. And there was something in the clue that looked like it could mean uh, rivalry. And he saw the V, he saw the R, he thought, well, that's good enough. So yeah, there's, def- there's definitely a possibility of going, okay, well, that is now good enough. And there are some clues I certainly now put in, even though I haven't even read the clue. I write, okay, well, that's definitely um, Duchess of Malfi or something, can't be anything else, yeah. uh, whatever. I used to blog on the Times Crossword blog, which is still a very good resource for solvers. And people would often say to me, I'd say, oh, I just solved this one in three minutes or whatever. And they say, well, I don't approve of this at all. Or the way I do crosswords, I like to stop and smell the roses. I'm like, yes, that is completely valid. But you, if you want to be a speed solver, if you want to go and win the Times Crossword Championships, the blog for the Times Crossword is a bit different from all the others. So you can get blogs for the Telegraph and the Guardian and so on on 15 Square. But only one of them is called Times for the Times. And it's all about times. And everyone is encouraged to put down how fast they solved it. And that's because only the Times has a championship where speed is considered to be, you know, a an, an important feature of of solving a crossword. It isn't really. I mean, it's much more important to appreciate the art history and to to linger lovingly over the moments. But you can't afford to do that, I guess, if you <laughs> if you want to solve as fast as Mark Goodliffe. Yeah. No. I mean, I do sometimes sit back and just applaud some of the that incredible moment where you realize it and you go oh that was beautifully that was beautifully achieved yeah so clever do you have I mean I I know this is putting you on the spot and in no way feel that you have to but are there any clues that you've been sort of wowed by that you can remember or anything that you've got wrong that you wish you hadn't or any (laughs) well the clue that I got wrong that I wish I hadn't was when I did uh, you know what Mark Goodliffe has done in recent years and held up my paper just way too fast it was in the first round so there was absolutely no reason for me to rush it I was just wanting to show it off and be one of the first like two or three to get my paper up 
and I put in it was uh, it was a man's name at the beginning, and it was an item of furniture, and I put in Devonport thinking that Devon could be a man's name. And then the minute I held up the paper and they grabbed it, I was like, oh, my God, it's a Devonport, isn't it? Dave. And, uh, Dave. Dave. Dave was the man's name. I was like, Devon, good enough. That's a man's name, kind of. Bit weird, I know but someone okay. called De- I've got uh, one of my friend's kids is called Devon. So, you know, you're right, but you're very, very wrong at the same time. Yeah. That I always think the classic anagrams... Um, like you know, cart horse orchestra, and that yeah, that is something yeah. you can learn. I think you know when you you see something and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you can learn, and um, yeah, great, great clues. But you know, like Araucaria, considered to be the greatest crossword setter maybe of the late twentieth century, mm. he's much beloved in the community. He wrote an anagram of the old vicarage Grantchester, which is something like chaste lord archer vegetating vegetating wildly or something it was very very good yeah 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 i'll tell you the best one i have encountered in a championship puzzle and this got a lot of plaudits from people it was the one that gave us a bit of pause and we were like it has to be that it was like a number of letters in the post office by five or in post office by five and the answer was 50 because there's 10 letters in post office and you just do what you see uh, and multiply the number of letters in post office by five. The telegraph one is a bit anagram heavy, I always find more so. Like, you know, the Times, I kind of think, has a bit more variety. And then the Guardian I used to do, and then I just found their their online interface wasn't good enough. So. <laughs> Times has an actual rule. I believe you cannot have more than four anagrams in a puzzle. Mm. So if the Times feels quite consistent in its quality, it's because they do have a lot of rules. Yeah. Um, the Times also has an interesting rule that you won't find in The Guardian, for sure, and I don't think in others, where you can't have anyone who's alive in the puzzle, apart from Ooh. one exception, the reigning monarch. <gasps> so it's like in trivia, you know, a lot of trivia is pop culture. You will never find any anything that modern in The Times, just because of the rule that the person has to be dead. Fascinating. Great. that they. You might them. find Maria Callas or something, for instance, because she's she's been dead for a while. And it's, it's given rise to an interesting phenomenon where sometimes we learn that people are dead because they appear in The Times. We're like, oh, Henry Kissinger is in a clue. Let me go check. <laughs> oh, yes, he's gone. <laughs> oh, well, that's something we can all look forward to after we die. It's one of the upsides of death as you might yeah, be at times you know, finally i'll be able to be in the times crossword <laughs> but you live in america now will you be coming back next year of course to defend your your crown yeah i, I hope so i mean uh yeah, it was quite good to win the top prize because that definitely paid for my flight uh, and my expenses i feel like coming every year and not winning might be slightly less uh <laughs> slightly less financially responsible but for the moment yeah do you quiz as well? I mean, you... I do. Yeah, I was on Jeopardy. I was on Jeopardy earlier this year. I'll probably be on Jeopardy again next year in the Tournament of Champions. I uh, play in the online quiz league in a cusp Division 1, Division 2 team. We're always bouncing up and down. So I'm not that good at quiz, but I'm all right. I'm all right. Well, you're the yeah. champion of crossword, so it's fine. And I'd imagine being on Jeopardy is quite... Do you get a lot of recognition in the street in America for being a Jeopardy contestant? Uh, no, <laughs> I've actually, I've actually, as you can see, actually on Jeopardy, I had a big beard and long hair and people were like, oh my God, who is this dirty English hippie? And at the moment I've shaved, I'm going to go back onto the Tournament of Champions, hopefully in February and uh, present an entirely different look because uh, people on the internet, it turns out, this was my first brush with any kind of fame. It wasn't 
really much of a brush because it was about a week where people were paying attention. You know, a lot of people were like, if this guy just uh, had a shave and smartened up. There was a guy who came on like a few months after me who had a little toothbrush moustache. And so it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. It was like, everyone was like, oh my God, this guy looks like Hitler. And he was very upset. Uh, the internet is a cruel place. Oh, go on in fancy dress. Go on in sort of British, like, you know, some sort of cod piece and rough or something. The best thing was there were people who were like, is this guy really British? Um, didn't Ken Jennings say he was born in New York? He described him as a native New Yorker, which is correct, because native means was born in. And everyone was like, Ken said he was from New York. I think his accent is fake. And my favourite comment I got on the internet was someone came in and said, I'm an Englishman myself, and I can tell you, I can guarantee you, this guy's accent is fake. It's just way too precise. There's no one who really speaks like that in England. And, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so this conspiracy theory started to spread around uh, some very minor reaches of the internet that I was just pretending to be British to be more interesting on Jeopardy. I did have just enough time to to practice my New York accent and come on next time with a broad, like, Bronx accent and uh, everyone be like, oh my God, I probably won't because yeah, I'm lazy. Completely different and uh, and with a completely different accent. Do it, do it. But we shall look out for you on uh, on Jeopardy Champion of Champions or whatever it's called. Yeah, I may go out pretty quickly and ignominiously if I come up against uh, people I'm scared of, like Troy Meyer. I know he's, uh, he's a brilliant quizzer and he's also going to be on the Tournament of Champions. And there are several other names where I feel like I might not be favoured against. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's such a good experience. And uh, sadly, British people can't go on Jeopardy. You have to be living in America, I think. But if you ever move to America, that's one of the first things I would start to do. Try and get on Jeopardy because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we will be rooting for you. We'll be taking to the internet and spreading conspiracy theories. I'll be saying <laughs> I spoke to him for a podcast and he's actually from the deep south. I don't know what he's talking yeah. about. So uh, yeah. yeah, we'll do that. And then we will hopefully see. I think next year we're definitely going to try and get along to the Times crossword oh, brilliant, yeah. If it not, I mean, more. I might enter it just for a laugh. People go to the George pub around the corner and there is much festivity all day long. So it's a great, it's a great session event as well. Well, sold. Ooh. So yes, I'll uh, I'll see you there. I'll see you at the George next year and good luck with it all. all right. And congratulations well, once again. You're uh, well, you're my thank hero. You. I definitely will come <laughs> in that case. <laughs> 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Well, that was a delightful chat with Matthew, wasn't it? It really was. And... I really enjoyed talking to him, uh, but all the way through, little part of my mind, still thinking about 70s, <laughs> 70s rock stars. Of course you were. So we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. But i tell you what I was going to do. We haven't done this for a while, but I thought we'd chat about some of the new or newer quizzes that are on telly. Yes, let's do it. Um, and some of the things that they maybe share their DNA with mm-hmm. from the past. So I have been watching belatedly, I know all the rest of you will have seen this, uh, The Finish Line. Mm. Oh, God, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Raymond Kemp, amazing, proper star of the future. Like, he's going to be everywhere, isn't he? He's yeah. kind of the, the guy. And Sarah Green, who it delights me to see her back on television in so many ways, and she's so good. She was one of my favorite favorite presenters when i was young yeah I, yeah i thought she was the bee's knees and she's still got it by god oh, oh she's a lights up the screen uh so it's and i quite like the format i am a fan of uh like the gary lineker who's in the chair whatever that one's called <laughs> sitting on a fortune sitting on a fortune <laughs> who's, who's in, in the, the chair, chair. That's, that's what it should be called <laughs> makes sense uh quizzical chairs that, yeah that's, anyway that's basically what it is other it? other titles for projects that we think should be better but the finish line um it's so simple i mean and is this a thing like people just moving about the studio a bit is uh is a thing in quizzing now yeah i I think a bit more motion maybe it is a symptom of the lockdown where we were all stuck in one place for so long (laughs) maybe we want to see a bit of movement you know people getting getting up and about it's you uh, couldn't do this on Zoom, isn't it? That's yes. that's what this one should be called. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. do this on Zoom. Yeah, standing behind a podium, quite boring. The podium moving around. Come yes, on. it's like a chariot. So for those who <laughs> haven't seen it, you basically they do a little qualifying round, don't they? And that decides their position on. So you've got a load of basically chariots yeah. lined up, and you get put on your little chariot. No horses though. No, that's Sadly. the next step. That's if you want to play it at home, Ooh. then why not get a horse? <laughs> Do it with or horse a donkey and or a goat or maybe a cat. Maybe sit if you've got a particularly large dog, don't sit on dogs. That's, no, no, that's I'm not giving that as advice. Um, or a family <laughs> member. Hello, oh. right? This is the one. This is the one. If you're playing the finish line at home, basically... And you have a long garden <laughs> you have or a, a quiet street. Yes. Cul-de-sac. If you're on a cul-de-sac, you get people to kneel down. Someone sits on their back. Um, and then... So maybe, this... maybe like a child and an adult. And that, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, yes, not... yes, yes. Um, or me and a normal-sized person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, there's a first round, which is a picture round uh, and you have to identify things and the speed at which you achieve that determines your position. And then you go into your first race. So which is effectively round two of the quiz is race one. 
and they fire questions down the line of contestants and your chariot begins moving when you get a question right and it keeps moving unless you get the question wrong or you pass. Mm -hmm. And at the end of round one, uh, uh, someone is eliminated. So I shall give you some sample questions, mm -hmm. Jen. Right, so in order to represent... Holes. Yeah, okay. I mean, this for is going to be... For reasons. For the listeners at home, Jen is going to move... While she's getting questions right. Okay, so what is the only month of the year with the letter I in it? April. Yes, she's moving. She's off. Oh my goodness, it's majestic. <laughs> oh. In the nursery rhyme, what adjective is used to describe Willy Winky? We. We. Uh, how, she's still going. She's thundering down the tracks now. How is Tony Montana known in the title of an 80s film? Scarface. Flea is best known as the bass player in Rich American Band. Right, the purpose. Which of the four basic horse gates is faster than a canter? Um, gallop. Operation Cartwheel took place in which war? Second World War. Who captained England's Lionesses to victory in Euro 22? Um, who was it? Um, oh, she's galloping, but will she? Will she slow Beth to canter? No. No. Oh, she stopped. Ah, like she clanged to a stop Clang. as well. It was Leah Williamson. Yes, it was. So that's how that goes. But I think you would probably have crossed the, crossed the finish line, yeah. leaving all trailing behind <sighs> you in your wake there. And then you get another qualifier. Basically, the the format of the show is very simple. There's like a qualifier between each race. Mm -hmm. And then the races all follow essentially the same format. And then you get, when you're down to the final two, then you go head to head. You're still on your little chariots, uh, but you're head to head on the buzzer. So if you get an answer right, then you move and they stop. And if you get it wrong, then they move and you stop. Oh, yep, yep. So it's really simple. Um, I'm just going to do you a few more little sample questions. So back on your mount, Jen. Okay. Over she goes. Oh, okay, that's an interesting way of mounting, but yeah, well done. <laughs> Not very dignified. Um, <laughs> Not known for my dignity. Uh, uh, the human body contains how many mandible bones? One. Yes, I got. I was so wrong on that. Oh. Uh, which English playwright coined the term lacklustre? Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, it's worth it. Usually guess, is. It? What creature is a great blue turaco? Bird. Yeah. In the nursery rhyme, how many men did the Duke of York have? 10,000. EC is the international vehicle registration for which country? Ecuador. What type? Yeah. What type of fruit is a Jonah Gold? An apple. Yes. Percentage answer. I know. Do you know, this is the thing. Actually, is it, it, anyway. I won't hold you up because you're you're galloping. Uh, how many minutes are there between ten a.m. and noon? One hundred twenty. Yes. Which age followed the Stone Age? Iron Age. Bronze Age. Bronze Age. She's ah! stopped. She's come to a grinding halt oh no um but that again you know obviously yeah. you did well because you're you uh <laughs> but uh i don't know how well i would have done if i was actually in motion because even imagining i was moving forward fairly slowly <laughs> on a chariot was a bit off-putting and, and then the final round uh it's the player against the track so the track kind of turns red behind you and you oh, have to so it's sort of quick fire it's around catching you up and you have to yeah. beat the track so i mean it is the simplest show to explain it's you know you've got sarah green there dissecting the questions helping out with facts i do feel she could have a bit more to do yeah, yeah. she's she's underutilized yeah um but roman kemp's got a lovely way with the contestants they Ooh. both do actually and they're a yeah. nice kind of double act and yeah and it's got the what's the the catchphrase I can't remember what it is now. It's something like, answer it fast or you'll come last. It's not that, because that would be rubbish. <laughs> and you've got to stay ahead of the red for the last round. You're nothing for two in a bed. <laughs> no, that's, that's some other show, right? <laughs> oh, here's the catchphrase. Okay. 
Answer them fast, don't come last. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, that, is, that sums it up. Exactly what the show is. So that, uh, and it, what it made me think of, even though it's nothing like it at all, was I just thought, in terms of physically moving around the studio, I thought run around. Yeah. Which I know we've campaigned before that run around should come yeah. back in some form. And I wondered whether, because it, you know, once you get over the initial excitement of all the chuntering down this chat, chuntering is that does that mean being sick? No, that, that means chatting, doesn't it? Chun- chuntering. Well, yeah, they're sort know. of anyway. They're proceeding down this track. <laughs> but um, I thought maybe if the carts could go off in different directions yes. or do it more like dodgems. Yeah, I was going to say bash. swerve into your opponent. Yeah, cut them off. So that would be my suggestion for the yeah. next series. But I did think, yeah, sort of run around. If we're going to have motion in studio games, I think let's make it a bit more anarchic and freeform. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to pitch. It's like run around meets the finish line. Health and safety nightmare. It's yes, called. exactly. So you're in <laughs> some, maybe on segways. Oh. And you bash into each other or those yeah. little um, skateboard things that kept catching fire. Yeah. It's like a quiz meets robot wars thing. <laughs> yes. Attach yes. weapons. Yes. To the front of your segway. Gladiatorial. Oh, no, there is already gladiators, isn't there? Anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll work it we'll out. We'll figure this out. We'll get the kinks of, out, out of the format. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about was Alan Carr's picture slam. I mean, I, I want to talk about Little Else at the moment because I am kind of fixated <laughs> with it. Because I love it because it's really compelling, but also it doesn't really have a format other than Alan Carr going, what's that? And they show him a picture of... <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed an episode I watched where the two ladies are probably about 30, had no idea about Jarvis Cocker. They barely recognised Graham Norton, but showed them a picture of some tripe. They were straight in. Because <laughs> that's what it, it could be anything. It could be brand names. It could be a weird piece of food, a flower. And you have to just shout out yeah. the name. But the, other than that, there is very little formatting to the show. But then is that it? It's beauty is the simplicity of the sort of mad randomness of it. Because I, I, I really like it. And same as you, it's sort of, it's like, in a way, what is Alan Carr doing it during the rounds? But he's so amazing with contestants and he's so funny and I could watch him all night. So I kind of, but it is just funny that all his job is, is to go, what's that? Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> like a four-year-old. What's Who that? this? Who's doing? What's, what's that this doing? TV show? <laughs> what brand? <laughs> Yeah, great, lovely. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would like a little bit more delineation between the rounds. I know, you know, we we probably do know enough about the contestants from it. That mm. There's enough of that chat, but the, the, the structure of the rounds, it's quite samey. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's here's a board with five pictures. Can you name all the five <laughs> pictures? We're just going to show you a lot of pictures in a row. If you get four in a row, that's a picture slam. What does that mean, Alan? I know, I know. Alan. Helen, tell us what does it what does it all mean? It is very it that's gives me a little one, existential isn't it? Isn't crisis. Picture slam. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, no idea what it's, that means. Um, the concept is lovely because it's so accessible, and it does have you shouting out, which is kind of what you want from that early Saturday evening yeah. quiz show. Um, I mean, do I prefer it to to the hit list? Probably not because mm-hmm. I like that. I like. It's the same thing with the hit list. You get a lot of content, you get a lot of shouting out, but it seems to just be that touch more challenging and mm-hmm. 
you don't get as annoyed with the contestants for not knowing things. <laughs> it can be quite agonising, can't it? Because if they just really don't know something, yeah. it's... And sometimes they'll throw something really difficult at you. Yeah. How are they... How yes. are you supposed to recognise that picture of Graham Chapman dressed up as a character <laughs> when I didn't even recognise him? And, also, and they're 20. I mean, I suppose there's the sort of in with a shout, the Joel Dommett, you know, mm. it's interesting, isn't it? That, again, there's something clearly in the water that sort of picture rounds... We love a visual thing and we love to shout and join in. But again, in with the shout is the... I mean, I really enjoy it. But again, it's like, well, it is just kind of the same. Yeah. There's a limit to what you can do. This is what we have said in our Fingers on Buzzers book. I don't know if I've mentioned it. <laughs> but, uh, but the difficulty with picture rounds is it, is it is quite hard to do anything other than what is this. Yes. And the the, the lack of texture there is... Yeah, I think that's, that's what all test everyone's patience with those games mm. yeah although it's, it's it's fun for 40 minutes or whatever it is well let's see we'll see how those shows in with the shout and um alan carl's picture whatever it's called picture slam <laughs> however they picture go wang. and then we will decide whether in our um health and safety nightmare yeah dump bumper cars show yeah. whether we put a picture around in or not how about that oh i think so i'm i'm now envisaging uh you have to run over the picture that matches the description. Yes. There you go. Smash through it like a finish line. Yes. Yeah, there we go. See? Or do it like the hole in the wall one where <gasps> you have to... Yeah, there's something in this. Keep keep listening, guys, because we're going to work this format up. By yeah, the end we're, of we're working up this format very slowly, <laughs> but also throwing everything at it. It's going to be more deadly for the contestants than the jump. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be career and like dancing on ice. Yeah. You'll be watching every week, not just for the questions, but to see if anyone seriously injures Poss themselves. Possibly life-altering this game. Yes, in, a, in so many ways. Uh, so, yeah, well, uh, it's been a pleasure as always chatting to you, Jen. Oh, yes. And a huge pleasure chatting to Matthew Marcus. Oh, gosh, but we still need to round up our... We do. Yeah, okay, right, go on. I'm going to have to have some Number more Number 11 is uh, just a massive star and still is. Cliff. We, we, we all watched him this summer. We did, didn't we? Yeah, we all stayed in on a Sunday night and we watched him. We to watch Paul McCartney. Well, he is there on num oh. at number 13. Well, that's not who I'm talking about. Oh, Elton John Elton we still stayed in to watch. Of course we yes, did. Yes, Paul, Paul McCartney and Wings the are there. Um, the next one, number 14, is very tricky. Uh -huh. It's a group consisting of a gentleman and two ladies. They are American. <sighs> they are credited here by the band name, but when they had hits... Sometimes they were credited as the name of the gentleman and name of band. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Tony, Orlando and Dawn. Correct. I, do you know what? That Very is good. the best thing that's happened to me today is getting that. They're, they are number 14 on the list despite only five singles during that time. Wow. That's incredible. Oh, I'm just delighted with that. Well, are, are there any more that we need to round up for our Wait, lovely uh, listeners? There's two in a row that you'd associate with Tartan. Rod Stewart. Yes. And the Basie Trailers. Correct. Oh, that's a great clue, Jen. That is a great clue. There is a another family band that isn't the Jackson Five. Just well, two two of them in it. The, the surname is the name of the band. Uh, Baccarat. Um, no, I can't. No, think. come on. Oh, Amanda's nodding. Oh. oh, she's doing a mime of some drumming. Some drumming. One of the most famous drummers slash vocalists of all time. Oh, the Carpenters. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> 
That was great jamming, Amanda. Number 20 is a British group. I believe they still perform and uh, the only ever-present member is the lead singer who has uh, some quite distinctive facial hair and their biggest hit was their first hit in 1970 and it gets played every year at a certain time of year. Wizard. Wizard are on the list. Okay, not wizard. Uh, but it's this is it's a different time of year than Christmas. Oh, very different. Summertime. Yeah, summer in the city is summer. No. In the summertime, hey, Mungo Cherry. Mungo Cherry. That Mister. Um, there's um, an actor turned singer turned David Essex. Yes. Didn't need to go any further. <laughs> what did you turn to? That's what we were asking ourselves. Turned uh, actor again, really, I suppose. We've got a band from Stockport. Um, 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 rock band, I'd say rock, bit pop, absolute bang. They're a brilliant, brilliant band. Oh, I don't know. There's a bit in one of their songs, big boys don't cry, big boys don't cry. Oh, I don't know. No? 10cc? 10cc, there you go. I'll just Just list them. Uh, The Stylistics. Oh, yes. The Drifters. Yep. Hot chocolate. Oh, how um, Andy Williams. Okay, yeah. Perry Como. Yep. Middle of the road. <laughs> Status quo we should have got. I should have. I, do you know, I thought quo immediately. And you also should have got Alvin Stardust. I should. We all should. Well, I hope you got all of those at home. And uh, it's been a delight doing that. It's been a delight talking to Matthew. A delight having Jenny and Amanda in the room, as always. And a delight having you listening. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time for another episode of Fingers Up Butters. Very nasal. Fingers on Buzzers starred Lucy Porter and Jenny Ryan and was produced by Amanda Redman with music by Kevin McLeod and Justin Edwards. Email quiz at fingersonbuzzers.com and tweet at fingersbuzzers. Thanks for listening and don't forget to join us next time for more Fingers on Buzzers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.